Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, it's Misty. And this is Lattes and Legends. Hi, friends. It's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks. Take some time off. Just had some stuff going on. And, yeah. So first things first. Happy Sunday. It's October. I will be taking some more time off for birthday festivities. So I will pre-record some episodes in that way. You'll have something. Thanks to everybody that listened to the last episode. That was pretty amazing. I got lots and lots and lots of feedback and listeners. And it was great. And then I decided I would stop reading reviews because I got one that made me a little down in the dumps, but whatever. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. And if you don't like me, first off, just don't listen to me. I'm not everyone's cup of tea and I'm too old to dwell on that. So if you don't like my personality, awesome. We're probably not friends anyway. Um, Don't listen. If you do like my podcast, please leave me a five-star review. And if you still want to listen and you're kind of like, I don't know, you can email me. I will email you back. You can message me on social media. I'll message you back. Tell me what you think. I am not here to make friends. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to share my interests with people. And if that doesn't fly with you, get to step in. That's all I'm going to say about that. Hi, I've got a vanilla latte in hand. It's nice and warm. The coffee shop was really weird. It's one I haven't gone to. Um, yeah, the customer service wasn't so hot, so I'm not going to say where I went, but I didn't like it. The latte is really good, but everything else about it was not so good. So probably not going back there again. So, um, thanks for all the new followers on Facebook and on Instagram. 
I'll get some stuff up today on that. And yeah, keep checking out the website. I have a lot of work to do to it. Um, I will try to get that going at some point in the near future when I have a break from life and work. In the meantime, let's talk about some cursed items. So last podcast, I talked about the Hope Diamond and I got such a good reception about it. And it was really nice to hear feedback from listeners and um, also to talk to people about when they went to see the Hope Diamond. Uh, Because when I went to see it, like I said in the last episode, I was not that impressed. Like I didn't, I was like, oh, this is what everyone's so freaked out about. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes. But I thought it was going to be this like massive thing. Um, I guess my expectations were much higher than when I saw it. But nonetheless, here we go. So the first cursed item I'm going to talk about today is the cursed mirror of Myrtle's plantation. And my sources for this are Wikipedia, scoopwoop.com, ghostandghouls.com, seeksghosts.blogspot.com, and louisianatravel.com. And here we go. So first I'm going to tell you guys the story of the haunted or the cursed mirror. And then I'm going to give you a firsthand account of a woman who travels and she went to see the plantation in the mirror and she shared her thoughts on her blog spot page. So let's get to this mirror. So the story is about Myrtle's plantation, which is in St. Francisville, Louisiana. It's one of the better known ghost stories in American history. Although I, technically never heard of it until now. Um, Researchers point to the fact that this is more of a myth than reality, but we'll see. So the plantation is a bed and breakfast today. The legend states that the Myrtles is haunted by a former slave that is seen roaming through the grounds and that she and her victims also haunt, that's right, the mirror in the main house. Is anyone else creeped out by mirrors? Just not a fan. They're really fucking creepy. So, a former Pennsylvania lawyer by the name of Whiskey Dave Bradford built the Myrtles home in 1796. The plantation sits on a Tunica Indian burial ground. And the property eventually passed on to his daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Judge Clark Woodruff, in the 1820s. Friends. We've talked about this before. You do not, do not fuck with Indian burial grounds. Ever. Did you guys watch Poltergeist? What happened? Exactly. Don't fuck with burial grounds. Anyway, the Woodruffs had three children, Cornelia, Jane, and Mary. They owned slaves, and one of these slaves was a pretty young field hand, and her name was Chloe. She was promoted to be a house slave, um... And how about the governess and her children? Chloe supposedly was so grateful for her new position that when the judge, who was known as a womanizer, approached her for sexual favors, she said, sure. She just thought it was all part of her new job. 
Being the judge's mistress, Chloe felt her new status was safe and she would be able to remain in the house as the main house slave. But Judge Woodruff had a wandering eye and it wasn't long before he was bored with Chloe. Mm-hmm. When the judge rejected Chloe, she became obsessed with the fact that she might have to go back to the fields and work. Becoming increasingly paranoid, she began to eavesdrop on his private conversations. Uh-oh, scandal. Oh, I just lost my spot. Oh, sorry. But the judge caught her listening one day and ordered that one of her ears be chopped off as punishment. For the rest of her life, she wore a green turban wrapped around her head so no one would see that she was loose, that she lost an ear. Now, she was afraid that she would be doomed to this hard labor in the field for the rest of her life, so she began to plot how she could stay in the house. This is never good when people start plotting. Mm -mm. So she came up with a plan to give the family a small amount of poison that would just make them a little sick. Then she would prove her worth by nursing them all back to health. Oh. What could possibly go wrong? So she made a cake for Cornelia's upcoming birthday. She crushed oleander leaves, boiled them, and put this water into the cake. Unfortunately, she used too much. The result was that Sarah and two of her children, Cornelia and Jane, all died. Mm-hmm. So the judge and Mary did not eat the cake, so they survived. Chloe ended up telling another slave what she had done, and soon, that's right, gossip spread. You can't tell people your shit if you're trying to get away with it. The rest of the slaves were really worried that they would be implicated in these deaths, and they had to tell Judge Woodruff. They ended up lynching Chloe and then weighted her body with rocks and threw it into a nearby river. It wasn't long before her ghost started roaming the grounds. She was recognized because the ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that green turban? The ghost was wearing the green turban. Mm-mm-mm. So then there was a story that was circulating that her ghost also was haunting a mirror that hung in the dining room where those family members died eating the cake. In most recent years, other witnesses have come forward to state that Chloe's victims, Sarah and her two children, are also the ones haunting this mirror. The reason given as to why the mirror is haunted is based on an old superstition that's connected to death and mirrors. It is said, the judge sealed off this dining room shortly after the deaths. No one was allowed to enter the room for years. Because of this mirror, um, it was left uncovered during the mourning period for his family, and then Chloe was hanged and it trapped all of their spirits into the mirror's reflection. Hmm. So for most people, the story is a myth. Many have debunked this theory, and many say um, that the spirits 
have been spotted on the property, but not in the mirror. And they're just, quote, matrixing in the mirror. Others point out the fact that the mirror probably wasn't in the plantation home at the time. Because it was believed that the people who bought the house, the Myers, who owned um, the house in the 70s, that they are the ones that bought the mirror in 1970s something. And it matched the decor. And so they were like, oh, we have to put this mirror in here. So that's why many people think this is such a myth. Because if the mirror wasn't there when they died, of course, they're not going to haunt it unless they magically just decided to dive into a mirror. But we won't get into that. Um, so but despite all these different arguments, people believe that Chloe is still haunting the plantation and that the children are still there as well. So that's the mirror story. Now let's talk about Sue Strachan, Strachan, who posted on her blog spot when she went to visit the Myrtle Plantation. So she basically did one day in like a diary form. And everything I read next is from her perspective. So she gets there for 15 p.m. She says, I arrive just after official plantation tour hours. But the guide so graciously said she'll give me a tour anyway. The plantation, located in St. Francisville, was built in 1796 by General David Bradford and was expanded upon in the early 1800s. Okay, cool. The front porch is adorned with cast iron railings. And then she goes on to talk about crystal chandeliers. It's beautiful. And then she says, as we tour the home, I peer into the famous mirror in the hallway. Did I see the faces of two children in it? Hmm. Nope. But those handprints are kind of creepy. Mm -mm. 5 p.m., she says. As I stroll the lovely grounds, there's large oak trees, azaleas, yellow irises, and a small pond. I think this place is really too pretty to be haunted. And I begin to side with those who debunk this theory. Chloe, the slave who poisoned her master's two children in a jealous rage. Some say that Chloe didn't even exist. 5.30. I just started taking pictures of the house in the front and the back. My digital camera. That's right. It refuses to work. Hmm. That's odd. So I fiddle with the camera. I'm all over the fact that historical records do say attorney William Drew Winter, who married Sterling's daughter, was murdered in the house. It is thought that his murder may have been the motivation for the reconstruction. Um, he collapsed on the 17th stair. Apparently, there's some footprints heard going up the stairs. Did I hear them on the stairs? No. Did I see a black cat in the back patio? Yes, I did. Hmm. So to me, it sounds like she's getting kind of creeped out, but not really. So here she is at 6 p.m. Hmm. Time to shake off the shivers and head to the caretaker's cottage where I am staying tonight. Located to the side of the house, it has a nice-sized bed with an additional bunk bed squeezed in. I'm wondering if this is also where the ghost hunters saw a lamp move across the table without any explanation. Why is 
the gate to my wooden fence opening by itself. Ha! Fooled you. It was just the wind. I wandered over to the carriage house restaurant just behind the plantation for dinner. A delicious Gibson in hand, and the menu was a nice variety of southern style dishes. Uh-uh-uh. I particularly like the barbecue shrimp. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. 8 p.m. Head back to the cottage, and inside I realize I have no TV. Mm. Time to relax, read a book, and enjoy the country sounds. Crickets, the occasional car. Ah, oh, silence. Oh, and I just saw another black cat. 8.30. A thump. In what could be considered the attic? It's probably just a bird or a bat or just Glowy stumbling around up there. Speaking of noises, when a friend of mine found out I was going to Myrtle's, he reminded me of the time that we sat down and listened to an EVP recording that he had and a TV crew had made it here. I did pause at this remembrance. How does one explain the low level growls in the background? Shuffling sounds instead of creaks. My friend, who is normal level headed, left as soon as they were done. Hmm. 9 p.m. The wind picks up. It's a thunderstorm. No, I'm not kidding. I guess I'm going to get the mood appropriate weather for my trip, huh? There's a thump on my window. Is that a shutter hitting the side of the wall because of the wind? And will someone do something about the squeaking pipes? It sounds like a chair being dragged across the attic. Shades of the Exorcist. 916. One of those black cats must be in heat because its yowl sounds otherworldly. I figure out the squeaking noise are the shutters moving on the hinges and not crazy plumbing. I peek outside. Dark. If there are ghosts out there... They could be having a tea party as far as I can see. 10 p.m. Checking out the photographs I took of the house earlier. I zoom in on one of them and there's something really strange. I have what I call a fuzzy caterpillar image. It's one of the photos I took in the back of the house. And when I zoom in where the pathway is between the gift shop and the main house, there's a shadowy image, much like the shadowy black caterpillar that you can see through. I know it's not a caterpillar, and then I realize that my fuzzy, shadowy figure is almost located in the same exact spot that a shadowy figure, thought to be Chloe, appears in a photo at the Myrtles. Mm-mm. 10 p.m. Windy outside. Heard there might be tornadoes. Cool. Thunderclap. The wind is strong, and the rain is almost horizontal. Ghosts and black cats are definitely hibernating now. The bed shakes a little. Um, 12 a.m. I doze off. 4 a.m. Yep, I fall asleep during the thunderstorm and I miss the witching hour. I peek outside. Totally dark. Try to snooze. 5 a.m. I'm awake now and I can tell St. Francisville is stirring by the sounds of the cars going by. 6 a.m. I stroll into the gift shop where guests can also have breakfast. It's included in my room, right? Hmm. Though they don't officially open till later, the cook gets me some hot tea and asks how my night was. I told him I slept soundly. He smiles. The black cat, plus another black cat, waits for me outside. I ask the cook how many there are, and he says, mm, about 20. Hmm. It's either a lot of bad luck or counter luck. Hmm. What do you think? Huh. I liked reading her story because it puts things into perspective as to what she did on her stay. Uh, This definitely seems like a cool place to go. So that is the story of The Haunted Mirror. Um, Yeah, 
Let that one roll around in your head for a second. I'm back. I have another story about cursed items. This one is about a haunted wedding dress. A haunted wedding dress of Anna Baker. For this, I went to from tinypennies.com, spookeats.com, and aminoapps.com. Um, I believe, oh, Wikipedia as well. Um, I did see that there's lots of podcasts about this one and my next one. I was not able to listen to those yet, but um, I'm super excited to find them again and listen to them. Clearly, I didn't write it down or else I would have told you what they were. All right, here we go. Haunted Wedding Dress. It is pretty much almost every girl's dream to wear a beautiful wedding dress at her wedding. Side note, I did not have a beautiful wedding dress at my wedding. I had a beautiful one when we took our gangster pictures afterwards. Yeah, we didn't do that fancy stuff. Anyway, um, unfortunately, dreams don't come true for everybody. This is a story about a tragic accident that happened to a beautiful girl who wanted to marry her lover, but she couldn't. So here's the story of Anna Baker in her haunted wedding dress. Dun, dun, dun. I know you're excited. All right. So, um, do do a long time ago, around the 1980s, for some of you. Oh no, 1980s. No, 1800s. Sorry, total misprint. Whoa. So what I get um, around the 1800s, mid 1800s. Sorry long time ago. There was a man and his name was Elias Baker. He was very rich. Um, his cousin, Ronald Diller, was purchasing a furnace in a nearby area. Um, and it turned out to be a really profitable, profitable business. He earned a fortune through this business and they made tons and tons of money. And um, he ended up buying a mansion in 1849, that was about $15,000 back then. You don't know how much that is now. Anyway, the place was filled with all the luxuries of the world, and he named it the Baker Mansion. He was so proud, and he dominated his family. He gave them all the things they wanted in life, and he just kept making more and more and more money. Like a total rich guy. His second daughter, Anna, she fell in love with a local steel worker who was actually working for her. He was lower class, working class, and Elias was like, no, you only marry rich. You do not marry this poor man. He's a worker, and that's not your style. They had a long argument, um, and Anna, being stubborn, was not a fan of the fancy clothes and the jewels and everything that he wanted to give her. She wanted one thing in life, and that was to marry the love of her life, this iron worker. Um, even though her dad said no. So Elias's wife, her name was Hetty, she was thrilled that her daughter had fallen in love, but she knew that they could not go against Elias's words. Um, but again, she was stubborn as well and told Anna that she needed to make herself happy. So 
when Elias and Hetty couldn't agree on what was right for Anna, Anna decided that she was going to be single forever. And she had this bitterness towards her father and she did end up dying in 1914. Um, single as the article I got this from says as a spinster old maid. So I guess if you're single, you're an old maid. Rude. Um, the gorgeous wedding dress that she chose for her wedding was so detailed and beautiful. And she got it from another girl um, in another high-class family. And so it was kind of like a hand-me-down. But it was still, it came from wealth. Elizabeth Bell was the woman who ended up wearing the dress. She mocked Anna for never getting married. And she wore... Anna's dress on her wedding. She was the daughter of a wealthy man named Edward Bell. And he is the reason a town called Bellwood was named Bellwood because of his last name. Uh, the wedding dress is on display in her old room. And is part of the Blair County Historical Society Museum in the Baker's Mansion. All right, so let's find out a little bit more about the Baker's Mansion. So, when the family all started dying off, the Baker's Mansion was turned into a museum. Sorry, I had to sip my latte. It's getting cold. The dress is in Anna's room. Um, and this... Putting it in the museum is where all these rumors started about how the dress was haunted. So <clears throat> different workers and visitors claim that the dress would move in the glass case. Um, nights where there's a full moon, the dress would strike violently on the glass case. And most people say it's Anna's ghost trying to come out of the glass case. And she wants to wear the wedding dress because she never got to wear it. The staff members also spotted ghosts of Anna and her father in the museum. Elias is always spotted in the dining room, and a woman in a black dress is spotted by workers on the third floor. There's also ghostly figures around the old stone house. David Baker, who is Anna's brother, was killed in a steamboat accident in 1852, and people have heard screams coming from the room where he died. Ooh. Um, uh, yeah, so... Some people claim that there's movement in the glass cage because the floorboards are weak or loose and that causes the case to like swivel around and that causes the dress to move. Some claim that there's drafts in the house and that's why the dress moves. Others um, claim that her spirit is still living in the dress after watching the movement of the dress through hidden cameras when no one else is in the museum. Hmm. Most people also claim to see the ghost of Anna's mother, Hetty, and they think she is in the black dress going up and down the stairs. There's many spectral forms and bitter old lady images in front of a mirror that have been caught through videos and pictures. Furniture moves, sounds of footsteps, all have been noticed in the mansion. There's a rumor of a mystical music box playing when no one was present in the room. And... Full moon images have been taken around the mansion and they've seen like orbs and um, what appear to be spirit bodies around and in the mansion. Hmm. Let's talk for a second about 
music boxes. When I was a kid, I had a music box. It was a jewelry box. And then I had this lamb that my grandmother gave me. That was a, a wind-up music lamb. I love that lamb so much. And I still think about it. And I'm sure if my mom still has it, it still works. However, creepy, twisty music boxes and toys that make music creep me out. Huh. I just want to say that. Does anybody else get creeped out by music boxes? Raise your hand. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Creepy. So, yeah. I would be terrified if I heard a random music box come on. Mm-hmm. And one more story for you. All right. The last story is about the screaming skull of Burton Agnes Hall. Sources for this Wikipedia, madamguillotine.co.uk. Oh, man, that's such a nice name for a website. Also, ooh, are you a French drag queen? Madame Guillotine. I love it. I love it. You should have a stage name, and it should be Madame Guillotine. Maybe that'll be my stage name. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Also, Yorkshire Life. .co.uk, hauntedplaceblog.wordpress.com, lifedeathprizes.com. That was a really cool site. I um, saved that one because there's lots of cool stuff on there. lifedeathprizes.com. All right, here we go. Um, Just a little backstory. I didn't know what a screaming skull was until I looked up information on this story. I will give you the full-on info when I'm done. So, Burton Burton Agnes Hall in Yorkshire, Yorkshire was built by wealthy aristocrat Sir Henry Griffith in the early 17th century during the closing years of the reign of Elizabeth I. He planned to live there with his three daughters, Frances, Margaret, and Catherine. Catherine was known as Annie. The girls were all thrilled with the construction of this new home. Annie, she was particularly in love with this place, like obsessed with it. She watched it being built. She loved to wander around the grounds. She made all these elaborate plans for the garden. One afternoon, when the house was just about finished, Annie went to visit her friends who lived about a mile away. On her way, the terrified girl was viciously attacked by ruffians who left her for dead. She was brought home to Burton Agnes, seriously wounded and near death. The injured girl had slipped between delirious fever and then there were periods of clarity where she was awake. She was distraught. Her sisters would never rest um, because they wanted her to be okay. Um, she ended up dying, but as she was dying, she made a final request of her sisters. She made them promise that after her death, her head would be severed and preserved in the hall forever. And to calm the distraught girl down, they agreed. However, after her death, they chose not to follow her plea and laid her to rest in the local church graveyard. The spooky stuff began. Annie's restless spirit began to walk the hall. 
terrifying everyone in the house. Loud crashes and bangs were heard, and there's some poltergeisty activity um, in the late, late hours at night. Remembering Annie's dying words, the sisters spoke spoke, with their priest, and they all agreed that the grave should be reopened. So her grave was dug up, coffin was open, and what her family found was crazy. Her body was very well preserved, and they found that her head was detached and stripped of flesh. Only her skull remained. It was brought into the house and placed on a great table in Burton Agnes Hall. As long as it was undisturbed, peace was restored. Hmm. So, of course, other people start to move into the house and it gets passed on, yada, yada. Um, They get so creeped out by this grinning skull that they have to get rid of it. They throw it away. They bury it in the garden. No luck. Every time they do something to it, the psychic activity begins again. The nights are filled with her horrible screams. Like, it is crazy. So, finally, a young chambermaid wrapped up the skull and cloth and threw it from a window, and it fell into a cart. The horses reared up and trembled in fear when it fell into the cart. The hall shook and pictures fell from the walls, and the skull hmm, had to get back into the building somehow. So, that chambermaid was like, all right, I'll put it back. She puts it back. Um, And to this day, it's still in Agnes Burton Hall. Um, People say it's in a great hall now, and nobody knows for sure where it is. Um, But they do think that Annie's spirit is at peace, and she can watch over her beautiful home forever. Hmm. So basically, let's talk about what a screaming skull is. A screaming skull is a skull where no one really knows where it comes from. And it's often said to cause storms, poltergeist activity, blood-curdling screams, hauntings, etc. When it's taken from the building where it wants to be, where it wants to rest. Most skulls come with a story. And why they're moved, what, sorry, they come with a story and if they're moved, the story also talks about why there's all this mayhem and chaos if they are moved. But some of the screaming skull skull stories cannot be confirmed historically. Um, The phenomenon of screaming skulls is common in folklore and throughout England Um, Some say the tradition of screaming skulls may be related to ancient traditions associated with the reverence for the head. To the Celts, in particular, um, the head was very important for different archaeological finds and history that way. Most of the Iron Age skulls were, uh, or the Iron Age statues and shrines, they were all used, they all used, um, missing skulls and bones to carve those out. So that goes a little bit with like Celtic myth. Um, There's also myths about screaming skulls in Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. And these phenomena date back to mid 16th century at the earliest. Some say they came earlier, 
but these skulls are also linked to the look of any house in much the same way as some homes and castles have different heirlooms. The skull is known to be the heirloom that brings good luck and fortune to that family. Hmm. That is interesting. Friends. I totally forgot. I have one more story and this one is really creepy. This episode is much longer than I thought. Oh, sorry. <laughs> At least you'll have something to listen to on your jog around town or your commute to your work from home job or while you're teaching your kid online school with your headphones on. I don't know. When do you listen to your podcast? I don't know. Anyway, so this cursed item is about a painting oh paintings some paintings really creep me out and this is one of them the painting is called the hands resist the hands resist him sources for this i got from wikipedia somethingwicked.com localwiki.org buddybits.com all right ready ready freddies here we go the Hands Resist Him is a painting created by an artist named Bill Stoneham. Stoneham? Stoneham? He grew up in Southern California. In 1972, he painted this picture, and it's a young boy and a female doll who is holding a piece of herself standing in front of a glass door with disembodied hands behind the glass. That's his description of the painting. That's a mouthful. The painting is reported to be haunted with previous owners claiming the boy and the doll move around inside the painting and even leave it and enter the room the painting is in. Oh, no, fuck that. Mm-mm, right now, the painting is in Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I say that right now, but the last known location for it was in August of 2001. So where the hell is this painting? Yikes. All right. So here's the background and history about this painting. Mr. Bill says the painting is modeled on a photograph of himself taken when he was about five years old. The doorway, quote, is a representation of the dividing line between the waking world and the world of fantasy and impossibilities. The doll is a guide that will escort the boy through life, and the hands represent alternative lives or possibilities or potential routes his life may have taken, but he does not see them. Ooh. Reportedly, the boy is either looking to the future or the viewer is holding back into their past. Huh. Wow. So he was inspired by a poem, um, and the poem was written about um, being adopted, because I guess he was adopted. Mm -hmm. um, so he reportedly displayed the painting at a one-man art show in Beverly Hills in the early 70s, and during the show, the painting was sold to actor John Marley, who plays Jack Waltz in The Godfather. Fun fact. However, before the painting was sold, it was reviewed by an art critic from the LA Times who died within a year, and the owner of the art gallery also died within the year. Bill speculated that this just that this may be the beginning of the curse. 
Um, John Marley himself died in 1984 after open heart surgery, but reportedly sold the painting before his death. And it's unknown who the painting went to um, until it turned up with an elderly California couple. And they said they uh, found it abandoned behind an old brewery. So they took it home. So that couple hung the painting in their four-year-old daughter's room. And it had only been there a few days when she started com to complain about it and told them how the children in the painting would fight and how the little girl in the painting would threaten the boy's life. Mm, creepy. Later, their daughter told them that the figures would, quote, leave the painting as ghosts and continue their fighting. So her parents were like, oh, yeah, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no. Um... However, they were curious about it, so they set up some motion-activated cameras that would watch over the painting so they could prove it to her that there was nothing going on. They claimed that they left the camera pointing at the painting for three days and nights before they went to view any footage, and it shocked the family when they saw what happened. They claimed the camera had captured several photos of the painting, almost taking a life, almost taking on a life of its own. The colors changed. The doll moved. There was some um, um, batteries on wires seen in the painting. They said, quote, the object in her hand may have seemed to change due to the lack of lighting um, being present in the dark, but the family insists that something happened. So the family decided to get rid of it. And, um, in 2000, it went up for sale on eBay. <laughs> There's a backstory um, on eBay about it, and the seller um, put a disclaimer about the painting. Do you want to hear it? I love when they put creepy stuff on eBay. Do you guys remember all those dolls I talked about and how they were on eBay? Mm-hmm. I love it. Let me put that stuff on there. Maybe I'll do a creepy eBay search again for next week. All right. So the warning on eBay says, warning, do not bid on this painting if you are susceptible to stress-related disease, faint of heart, or unfamiliar with supernatural events. By bidding on this painting, you agree to release the owners of all liability in relation to the cell or any events happening after the cell that might be contributed to this painting. This painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that impact or change your life. However, by bidding, you agree to exclusively bid on the value of the artwork with disregard to any harms that may come to you. Now, we got that out of the way. One question to you eBayers. We want our house to be blessed after the painting is gone. Does anyone know who could qualify for that? The size of this painting is 24 by 36. It's very large. Um, as we think is a good idea to bless any house, we still welcome input into that procedure. Crazy, huh? This painting, yeah, is just, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. So... One person that has owned the painting claims that there was an exorcist-type voice along with a blast of hot air in the room where she hung it. 
And then another person claimed that he became ill while viewing the painting and had to burn some white sage to cleanse his house afterwards. And then he blacked out. Yikes. Um, but someone else said there's no ghosts or supernatural powers. This is just a painting. Mm. Um, it may be still listed on eBay as a haunted painting. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, haunting painting on eBay pops up regularly. Guess what? I'm going to do an eBay search on it and see what happens. Um, while that is searching, let's finish up. Um, so the opening bid for this painting started at $199. By the end of the auction, it sold for $1,025 to Kim Smith, who is the owner of the Perception Art Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, this artist has done commissions for many people before, and it looks like um, Zach Baggins from, what's the show he's on? Ghost Adventures? I don't know. Ghost Adventures is, um, he's really into his artwork. Uh, so friends, I don't see it on eBay right now. I'll have to do some more digging when I'm not recording a podcast. But maybe, just maybe, I'll find it and I'll post a picture of it on Instagram. So yeah, Zach Baggins was really into this artwork. Um, Bill Stoneham actually did a prequel painting for him in 2017 um, because he liked it so very much. Um, you can find lots of information on this for sure. Um, Zach Baggins did, oh, it's a lineup. That's what the podcast is. Go listen to that one. They did, um, they did a podcast about this painting in particular. And Zach Baggins has the prequel painting hanging up in the Haunted Museum in Los, Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um... Daryl Kyle O'Neill in 2016 published a book called The Hands Resist Him, Be Careful What You Bid For. And this book is about um, his paintings and how they could be haunted. I'm going to check that book out ASAP. Anyway, it was so good to talk to you guys again. And like I said, I'm going to take some time off for birthday festivities. But I will be recording um, ahead of time to make sure that you guys get to hear some podcasts. Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Sorry for my tirade about reviews. I'm just over it, you know. This is the year for the trolls, and they are everywhere. So my advice to you this week, don't be a motherfucking troll. And if you don't like something, don't buy it. Don't listen to it. Don't look at it. Just move on with your life. It's really not that hard. If you're a grown-up, like most of you are that listen to this podcast, just keep it moving. Um, yeah, that's my advice for you. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive about this. Like I said, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I'm not everyone's vanilla latte. Keep it moving. That's all you got to do. Stay healthy, friends. Yeah, enjoy the fall. The leaves are changing. Get outside, go for a hike. And I will talk to you 
next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 